deep underground the Jelly Belly factory, Bibi is in her secret laboratory creating the weird and wild flavors of Bean Boozled. I've done it again. Is it cappuccino or liver and onions? <laughs> Dare to compare. Bean Boozled, 6th edition. Are you brave enough? Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton. Welcome back to another episode of the Mile High Pundit Podcast. Uh, coming at you here after the holidays here. Hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Hope everyone got to the chance to spend the time with their loved ones, um, you know, reconnect and and break bread, you know, like Jared and I were talking about in our last episode. Uh, but, but getting into this one here, we've got a special treat for you guys. Um, basically bringing on uh, two guys with some very very good hockey knowledge uh coming at you here jared and i are going to be talking with uh scott mcdonald and cc hockley uh two guys that have just been uh just for lack of better terms just amazing with the development of them working with the eagles and the ahl grizzlies uh as well i'm going to bring on my co-host here jared uh jared how you doing tonight dude that was these are some good talks that's for sure man like um we 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 didn't set a time frame for how long we wanted to go and we went the whole time i mean like nobody stopped there was never like a huge lull in the conversation and it, it, i mean we we talked a little bit after with scott and uh and cc and yeah i mean it was just uh it just felt like we were, it was just four guys at the bar having a conversation like it was it was honestly just a blast to finally get this done and be able to do it um learned some stuff i didn't know either like the the uh the euro contract clause i didn't know that yeah like yeah. that was cool to learn it was it was um and yeah just you know getting those guys on the show finally you know it had been a couple of weeks and uh just due to some scheduling issues so so happy that we got to finally talk with these guys um just about all of our passions and and we think uh you know our, our listeners here are really going to enjoy uh like jared was saying just what uh they they had to say um just in general as a general standpoint for how all the franchises are actually doing um just great groundwork that they've put in uh some amazing stuff coming from uh both of their content sides as well with colorado hockey now um and sinbin eagles um some just great great banter like jared was saying 
Um, definitely blessed to have these guys on the show and definitely looking forward to uh, potentially doing even some more uh, joint episodes with them once we get uh, closer to the season kicking off uh, for the Avs and Eagles especially. Yeah, and I mean, we're like we'll let you guys know now. So we recorded all this podcast tonight on uh, December first of twenty twenty, the last month of the fine of the last month of twenty twenty. Finally, it feels like it's dragged on forever, but uh, it is a two part. So we're gonna we're gonna release part one uh, on this one, and the uh, part two is gonna come out either Friday or Saturday. Uh, well, I guess parts two and three of the Eagles mini series that we've been doing. Um, Again, we're really sorry about the delay. Uh, Some scheduling things came up, but I mean, this is definitely worth it. It, It's well worth the wait. Um, Like like Joel was kind of talking, like Joel was kind of talking about, we we touched on everything from the Eagles to prospects to, um, for some reason, Tyson Jost. We talked about him for a little while too. Um, (laughs) There were some really interesting comparisons that were made tonight too. Uh, it, It was really kind of eye-opening to see how everyone kind of everyone kind of feels almost the same way about a couple of the guys um on the big boy club it's really interesting to see yeah yeah and you know just real treat talking with them real treat talking with them and i think it's going to be an even greater treat when i get to listen to it tomorrow along with all you guys um it's just going to be just one hell of a banter um and you know they, they're always putting out great content uh for all of our listeners definitely give them a follow you know they, they put out great work and uh we were just excited to finally get this chance to uh to do this and you know like jared was saying with the times much more would have liked to meet up you know personally and do this stuff but uh, with COVID and everything, you know, this is the next best thing. And just getting those uh, interactions, especially, is, is what's going to get us through the year, you know? Yeah, I mean, I I, I couldn't uh, couldn't agree more. And, I, you know, let's not keep him waiting any longer. Without any further ado, your special guest, Scott McDonald and CC Hockley. Enjoy, friends. Ladies and gentlemen, the long-awaited part two and three of the miniseries. We teased it. They're laughing over here on Google Meets because we've been teasing it like crazy. And we're very excited to bring on the Colorado Buffalo. We won't hold them against them. Colorado Buffalo alumni and current writer for Colorado Hockey Now, Mr. Scott McDonald. And from your Sinbin Eagles, who started covering the team during the 18 Kelly Cup playoff run to which they won. Not a big deal. Mr. CC Hockley. Boys. How are we doing tonight? It's been a while. Wow, man. Happy to be here. Happy we finally got this scheduled. That's, uh, that's on me, but we're, we're here ready to rock, and let's, let's talk hockey. Yeah, let's do it. It's good to see you guys' faces and, and meet y'all over, you know, over Discord, over, over Google Meets here. And, over COVID. Uh, over COVID. <laughs> yep. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah. we'd be doing this in person, maybe sharing some brewskis, but hey, 100%. This, will, this is a good alternative. We're, we'll we'll settle for this for now, but hey, good to see you guys. Good to be on the program. And, and I'm going to take uh, Joel's question here first. We like to usually go around and see what everyone's drinking tonight. Joel, what do you have? So uh, yeah, tonight I've got just the uh, the Brut IPA. Uh, it's a Moral Panic. It's called Moral Panic, out of uh, Durango, so uh, Scott Brewing Company. Um, but yeah, just a really smooth IPA for tonight. Uh, what about uh, yeah? What about you, Jared? What, what about you? So I'm easing off a little bit. I only 
just did a little bit tonight. Uh, just gonna be a little bit of whiskey and coke tonight. Is all. There you go, Scott. What do you got? I like that. Yeah, Jared tried to get out of drinking today, but we uh, we <laughs> peer pressure. No worries. I'm also on the on the whiskey here. What do we got? Uh, Pike Creek Canadian whiskey. Mm. Uh, coming in at forty two percent. So we feeling good oh. by the end of this thing, and should be a good time. And CC. Yeah. Yeah. Last but not least, um, gosh, ever since I moved to the Denver area over a year ago, I've been trying out these different variety packs, um, you know, from the store. So, so this, this past week was Firestone. We got Firestone Mine Haze IPA. It's a, it's a pretty good one. Like, uh, kind of like what Jared was drinking, nice and smooth. Um, yeah. but last night I enjoyed, uh, I think this is a little bit more notable. I enjoyed a nice strawberry sky from Breckenridge Brewery and that. The tangerine cream from uh, Station Twenty Six are two of my favorites that I've had so yeah, far. That's a good one. Very yes. Cool. So, good. yes. Big fan, so that's, big fan that's what I'm drinking tonight. Big fan of Breckenridge yes, Brewery as well. Good. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, so I mean, for for me, I mean, I I've met Scott I think one time uh, in the boot in the media booth of one of the Eagles games. Yeah. Um, just back in the day, and you know, had a solid conversation with you. Um, but. Uh, yeah, we, we you know we started this podcast just kind of the necessity of of COVID basically. Um, when all that stuff went down in March, you know, we felt the need to just continue to try to do something, you know, in the industry. Um, and and yeah, like you guys said, it's been a long time coming, but uh, we are we're definitely stoked to have you guys on the show for sure. Yeah, stoked to be here, or at least like what we can see of CC's face with his mic covering it. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what? I get so much crap about that. I'm pretty used to. It. Normally, he like angles his camera a little bit so I can like at least see his like profile side. But <laughs> I, yeah, you're, you're completely hidden today. You know, <laughs> I I get a lot of grief from the Sinbin editorial staff whenever we have meetings and stuff because I don't. I have an HD camera that I use because we record our Colorado Eagles tape to tape podcast and. Like Scott says, I kind of have a side profile with the external HD camera, but now I'm just like, oh, well, we're not recording video, so might as well just do the face on. And now you guys are giving me crap <laughs> for it, so it's like I can't win. Like it doesn't matter where I'm at. Like it's like, oh yeah, you got this big monstrosity covering your face. Well, yeah, yeah, you guys can see my face there. So there you go, <laughs> Scott. I just I was I was just quickly on your Twitter, really quick. I I I was looking at your bio. Mm-hmm. And I just saw something I didn't think I'd noticed before, but now I really it caught my attention. Okay. On Scott's yeah. bio, it says, "I used to be an intern that made coffee for Joe Sackick." Yeah, there, that's got to be a story now. I will get into it. So, I mean, honestly, that's kind of like where I guess my story starts. Like, I wasn't super into uh, like writing. Honestly, kind of hated it. Um, was never, never my subject in school. Journalism was never on my radar at all. Uh, but I knew I wanted to like work in sports. So I, I went on teamwork online. Um, they have like, they post internships there and jobs in sports. And I saw the, the avalanche were hiring interns for their, their media relations and communications department. And I somehow got the job, um, with, with zero experience at all. And yeah, I got to be in the, in the front office every Monday, Wednesday, Friday and game days. And it was a good time. And part of the job description is they have you, you know, write like game previews, recaps, some, some feature stories, stuff like that. So just talking to the players, kind of my first exposure with sports journalism and just talking to those guys, being in the locker room, being up close like that was, was awesome. And then I kind of found out I had a passion and I was somewhat good at like writing. So I kind of 
took it and ran with it. But yeah, part of the, the job description was, you know, not only writing those previews and recaps and stuff, but I was the first person in the office, you know, every day. And I had to be there like five to 6 a.m. And uh, I have to make the Tim Hortons for the entire office. And there's probably maybe a dozen people in the office. It's like me, media relations people, obviously Joe, uh, Joe Sackick, and the assistant, assistant GMs, all those guys. So they all drank from the pot and I knew how they liked their coffee and I had to make it right. And <laughs> yeah, that's a fun story I like to tell. You know, I got the, the coffee and donuts internship with the, the Avalanche. There you go. That's awesome. Uh, Scott, just a quick question for you, man. Um, as far as just your, your interviews go, I guess, what would be the guy that, that you really enjoyed uh, connecting with the most, um, just from any team, I guess, that, you know, uh, I just, just who was the yeah. guy that, you know, really, you know, made you realize like, hey, you know, I could be doing this stuff for a while. Yeah, I mean, I would say on the Avalanche side of things, my, my first interview ever was JT Comfort. So he always kind of had a special place in my heart. Got to do a little one-on-one feature with him. It was like a Q&A thing. Um, and then next to him in the stall was was Tyson Jost, who <laughs> me and C3, we talk all the time. You know, I, I love Tyson Jost as a person, but uh, he, as a player, I don't know. And I, yeah, I lose a lot of followers on Twitter for it, but I'm not. So did we. I'm not and we're the but, same way. Yeah. <laughs> He's not good. Anyway, well, that's that's for a different different time. But yeah, yeah. those guys I always want to talk to. I will say, like, Mark Bar- Barbario was, he was always just, like, a very generous guy and would always stay, answer all your questions. He'd be the last guy in the locker room after games. Like, I think he just he just loved being on the team more than anything. It was actually really sad to, to see him go because I think he wanted to be an avalanche more than, more than anything else, and he wanted a shot in the NHL. But, of course... You know, it's a young bucks league and we got the Makaras of the world and, and the Gerards and all those guys coming up and we don't really need him anymore. So that's kind of the, the nature of the beast, but he was always a great guy to talk to. Um, honestly, into the Eagles, those guys are great too. Uh, I'd say honestly, my favorite, favorite guy to talk to is actually head coach Greg Cronin. Like no doubt. He's just, he's a, he's a fun guy. He's, he's one of the only guys that kind of like, you know, knows my first name talks to me as like a person it's not just like a, an interview it's more of a conversation kind of thing so that was always awesome i always enjoy talking to him and he always gives me way more detail than i than i need and i just kind of hate transcribing his audio because it goes on for you know about 30 minutes when you ask him one question but <laughs> it's what it is i'd rather that than you know having two word answers yeah cc i mean so you said you started covering the eagles back in the 18 run and I mean that run alone. I mean we talked about it on the on, on the part one of this and uh, how just how how really just that team was so much more has was so much more better built to win that year than than even they were the year before um, when they I mean when they took down Toledo everybody knew that that they were going to win it because Toledo was the top dog at the time. Um, I, I mean can you can you take us back a little bit through that and just give us some like some some like some of the awesome things that you got to go through? I mean seeing all those games not only in in Loveland, but also up at, uh, at a uh, century link. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, I mean, like we, we talked about before the program started, you know, I started with the Sinbin. I was living in Boise, Idaho, and I started in 2017 covering the Idaho steelheads. And that was my main beat, you know, was, was to cover the steelheads and, uh, you know, round, round one, you know, the steelheads, uh, decided to, uh, you know, have a little history on their side. They played Allen and they, they, they went down three games to none. They fell, they fell down three games to none, pretty much an insurmountable uh, series hole. 
and uh, they won four straight. Only the second ECHL team in their 30-year, in the league's 30-year history to do that in any series, to come back from three games to none and win four in a row to sweep. So so after that, um, Steelheads were, were, I think they were a little gassed because they got swept by the Eagles in the second round. So after after the Eagles swept them, I did grab um, end head coach Aaron Schneekloth, um down in the tunnel, talked to him a little bit, talked to uh, Michael Jolie, who just signed with Wheeling in the ECHL. Um, Scott and I kind of talked about that and had a little conjecture of where he was going to go this offseason. But um, so talked to Michael Jolie, talked to JC Badan, um, who, who got an NHL call up this past year with Ottawa. And he's you know mainly with the Belleville Senators now, but good for him. Uh, getting that NHL cup of coffee and, and being able to, you know, being able to break through like that. I know that's a tough thing for, especially for players that you know, start in the ECHL or lower, but uh, long answer to a short question. I mean, you know, I, I covered that series a lot. Um, you know, obviously I got to see the Eagles play in Boise, but I covered uh, the, the Western conference finals against Fort Wayne and uh, the, the Kelly cup finals against Florida remotely. Because we, you know, just working for the Sinbin, you know, there's not like a travel budget or anything for the website or anything. So as much as I wanted to go, you know, to, to that, you know, War Memorial Coliseum, that that storied barn out there in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and, you know, go down to Florida and everything, I, I couldn't do it. But man, I, I tell you, just that run, like you said, to win two in a row and to ultimately, as, as one of my colleagues put it, basically drop the mic as you're leaving the ECHL and moving up to the AHL. It was uh, it was a pretty neat moment, and it was really neat to share that with a lot of the fans on, on social media, on Twitter specifically. And they really, they really appreciated my coverage, and they wished that I could have done it full-time. And, well, fast forward to 1920, and, and here I am in Denver, and here I am doing it full-time now. So there you go. And, and, and you brought up something that I, I want to circle back on in a second, but Scott gave – Joel asked a great question for Scott, and I want to pose the same one to you. I mean, obviously, Greg Cronin's a, a brilliant hockey mind. I mean, years and years and years in the game. How how was talking with uh, with uh, Schneekloth or Schneeks as we all know him pretty much at this point? Like, how, how was it, especially during that run where you really got to see his development into that coach after taking over for um, after taking over Stewie the year before? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was. I mean, at that point in his career, um, you could just tell that he was very comfortable and he was ready and poised to to take the Eagles deep again. You know, and he was just, you know, it's just it's hard to put your finger on it because I only spoke to him once. But you know, just the from what I can recall, you know, his he was just answering the questions. He was just very comfortable. That, that's the word that's coming to mind is just he was very comfortable in his role and you could tell he was just very focused. He wasn't taking the sweep of Idaho for granted in the mountain division final there. And he was just, he was ready. He was ready for Fort Wayne and he was ready to, to move on or Fort Wayne, or I think, I think Fort Wayne played Toledo in the second round, but I think they were waiting for that opponent, but whoever was next, he was ready for him and he was ready for another deep run. So just that focus, that, that determination showed through. And, and like I said, he was more than comfortable uh, at coaching that team into another deep playoff run. And I mean, obviously we talked about Michael Jolie being signed to Wheeling uh, and this opened the entire group here. He always seemed like one of those guys who was an amazing, amazing EC guy, but could not get it going when he played with the Eagles in the AHL. I mean, is, is that a fair assumption to make? Well, 
I feel like with the ECHO, I mean, he was, you know, he was just one of those speed demon guys where, you know, he would just take the puck and run with it. Um, unfortunately, when, when the team moved up to the AHL, he did spend some of that time hurt. Um, but, you know, to the betterment of, of the team, we, we got to see, you know, a lot of our guys develop because of that too, I feel like. Um, but just as far as like the Eagles go as a whole, just extremely blessed, especially, you know, being a fan, you know, and being able to to cover the team as well. Having just that much success throughout their entirety, entire history, um, you know, you know, making playoffs basically since they were, uh, you know, since they were, you know, the first, uh, their first year, basically. Um, very, very cool just to be a part of that. And it's definitely organization that is you know family really you know lots you feel you feel like you're in a family um when you when you're there and um i think i could speak for kind of all of us in the room where we you know all of us have just been you know it's been it's been a lot of fun um just watching those guys develop and uh throughout the years especially i got brought on uh, when they moved up to the AHL side of things um, until it got shut down. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, just, you know, insanely cool to be a part of a, of a franchise with that much just success. I mean, <laughs> it's been amazing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Scott, what's, uh, what, what do you think about that? Just kind of, you know, cause you, you were there, for much longer than I was. So yeah, totally. No, I mean it has been just like unreal seeing. Odd, like it was the first hockey game I ever went to, and that's kind of like where I, where I kind of have a passion with the Eagles. Um, it kind of like made me fall in love with the game. You know, I went to the, like their. I think it was their first game back in '03. Didn't tell you who they played. If it was like the Tulsa Oilers or you know. Report mud bugs, whoever it was. <laughs> Some just like the most random, like minor league sports team name you can think of. I, I loved it. I loved it. Fighting but, it was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, watching them just grow up from the CHL then to the ECHL and have all that success in, in both those leagues and now the AHL serving as the minor league affiliate to, you know, a national hockey league team is pretty unreal. And it's uh, me and CC have, I think, have talked about this before too, but it's just, it's kind of just surprises me how little coverage there is for that team because i mean it's it's huge down in loveland you know you'd be hard pressed to find somebody that's not wearing like some eagle swag like out on the streets in loveland or fort collins or whatever, whether it's a hat or a jersey like it's a religion down there and they sell out they own the minor league you know record for most sellouts most consecutive sellouts and they wear that proudly on their twitter bio and it's just like i for a lot of the time especially last season i was like the only media person you know covering the team going to like practices every once in a while and then games every once in a while too. And I, I think they deserve a little more respect than, than they've gotten so far, but I, I love it, you know, especially being like a journalist or whatever. And you kind of want to be the only person on the beat. You have uh, that monopoly, if you will, on, on the media coverage. And I've kind of enjoyed that. So it's like Colorado's best kept secret. And I kind of want to keep it that way. I agree. Definitely. Um, and yeah, just the culture itself. I mean, we're building something great and I mean, absolutely fantastic with the Colorado avalanche and you're seeing that success. I, I mean, when the Eagles became the affiliate, I was so excited and cause you get the hometown aspect of it. Um, 
And then also you're seeing a, a lot of success too with the Utah Grizzlies even um, trickling down even further, which is just, you know, I feel like we're just creating, we're, they've created just a great, great funneling system um, for discovering talent and uh, definitely speaks to, to all three franchises. Yeah, I would, de- I would definitely agree with that. Um, I just wrote an, an article. I actually got to see the first ever Utah Grizzlies game back in 1995 at the old, uh, the, the formerly, formerly named Delta Center there in Salt Lake City. And uh, they were in the IHL back in the International Hockey League when that was still a thing. And I wrote an article kind of about the history between Utah, well, the Grizzlies franchise with Colorado, the state of Colorado, and the state of Utah. And, of course, the Grizzlies starting their IHL, um, well, their IHL genesis was in Denver. They played at McNichol Sports Arena. They won the Turner Cup in their first season, and then they were gone because they got displaced by, oh, you know, ComSat buying a franchise back and, and uh, moving them to Colorado and naming them the Avalanche. And so they kind of took precedence at McNichols at that point. But, but long story short, man, I mean, it was really neat to see the Eagles pair with the Avs, but it was also neat to see the Grizzlies pair with the Eagles and the Avs because that was a long time coming. The Grizzlies had never, they had never paired with the Avalanche in any sort of affiliation before that, which was crazy because Salt Lake City is just a hop and a skip away. So you have the Grizzlies, the Eagles, and the Avalanche all coming together for that first season in 1819. And it was neat. It was really cool to see just, you know, the... You know, like I said, the the beginnings in Denver back for the 94-95 season, the displacement to Salt Lake City, and then boom, now you have the Colorado-Colorado-Utah affiliation tree. And it's all, it's the Rocky Mountain affiliation. It's the Rocky Mountain way, as Joe Walsh once so eloquently put it in a song. So there you go. (laughs) You should trademark that now because that's going to make some serious money in the next few years, especially with how... uh, the the big boy club is shaping up. That's for sure. Oh sure, yeah. I, I Scott and I should probably. Mock, yeah, we should probably you know get some mockups going and, and get that trademark. That's a good idea, Jared. How did you steal it? <laughs> hey, I was just here. I just want some royalty. That's all I want. Um, okay, ten percent. Ten percent. That's fine. Works. For, hey, ten percent is better than zero. Yeah. <laughs> so. Obviously, both you guys spending some time in Loveland, all four of us really spending quite a bit of time in Loveland. Um, yeah. If you could put the atmosphere of the Budweiser Event Center in one word, what would it be? And I, I'm Joel, you and I are going to wait to the end. Let's hear from Scott first. Wow. Uh, I would say electric is probably the word I would use for it. I mean, again, they're, they're selling out almost every every game. You see, you know, some pictures or some some videos are of other AHL teams and it's, it's embarrassing. You know, there's like a hundred people in the crowd or whatever, and less than a thousand for, for a lot of cities. And it's like, we're packing, it could be a Tuesday night game, Wednesday night game, and they're packing this thing. And it's, it's pretty incredible. And you know, with the, with the music, I know there's last season installed, like later in the season, um, like a new sound system, a new goal horn that just blew up every time it would score goals. And like, that was fun. And, a lot of season ticket holders. So, you know, a lot of people kind of know the traditions and those, I mean, the cowbells, which are very unique, you know, I mean, to a lot of teams, but unique to, to us here in Northern Colorado with the Eagles and, and the Budweiser event center. And it's awesome. Like it's, it, there's all, every single game is fun. Like there's never a dull moment in those things. And 
it always helps when the team's good and they've always been good. So. Yeah. Um, Scott totally stole my words. So thanks for that. Um, <laughs> he might have stolen like everybody's word. Yeah. So I will piggyback off of that and say that, gosh, I mean, there's a reason why um, Martin Lynn, the Eagles owner wants to build a 10,000 seat stadium um, at the ranch there in Loveland, because, you know, they sell out 5,000 plus every game. And um, because of that, um, I would say the word is fervent because whether it's, you know, screaming at the top of their lungs or I got the chance to go to family and faith night. Um, and the man, the Eagles players, you know, they were playing a lot of, you know, a lot of Christian based songs. And so they were really embracing that theme. Um, but it just, they, they love their team, but you know, they, they just go, like Scott said, they go all in on the, the traditions and the, you know, the sponsorships uh, well, the sponsored nights, rather, that they have, you know, kind of the the novelty nights and everything like the family and faith night. And so, yeah, fervent, I think, would be a great word because not only are they electric during the game, but they're just uh, like Scott says, you see them walking around town and everything like that with jerseys uh, or whatever Eagle swag they have. And the fervent fan base, you know, it's it's very passionate and they've been doing it. CHL, ECHL, AHL. It's not going to change. What about you? So uh, for me, I mean, Scott definitely did steal my word as well. I was going to say the exact same thing with electric. Um, But going off the, you know, the electricity that they play with and the fervor of the fans, I'm going to go ahead and say uh, my my word will be charged. Um, Thank God you didn't steal my word. Oh, (laughs) I was sitting here going, oh, shit, Um, mine's next. But yeah, just, uh, you know, you, you walk into the to the Budweiser Event Center and you just feel a certain type of way, you know, even, you know, just walking around while the, while the teams are warming up, um, you know, you feel like you, you truly are a part of something that's much bigger than yourself. And uh, so for me, I mean, just the, the charged up would be just the way that I would describe it. Um, the atmosphere is insane. And like Scott was saying with the cowbells, it's, it's a very unique experience. Um, I mean, that, that place can get raucous. It can get extremely loud. And um, it's one of the best, you know, home ice advantages, I think, you know, period, just across uh, hockey in general. Um, so, so for me, it would have to be charged. Um, especially with how the team plays, you know, how the fans react and um, they're never out of it. there, never out of it. So I'm just, again, I'm but, really uh, glad. Yeah. What about you, Jared? I'm just glad y'all didn't take my actual word. Um, Cause at first I was even like, Oh, electric, but someone's going to say it. I know they are. So it was a matter of, okay, who's not going to say it. I can't wait to hear you. You're hyping up this word. I can't wait to hear it. So right? it's really a play on everyone's. Mine is passionate. I mean, everyone is really touched on it. I mean, from the fan base to the in arena atmosphere, hell, even before games, like before gates open, there's a line of at least a thousand, two thousand people waiting to get in the door at six PM on a on a Tuesday night. I mean, you and like Scott was saying, man, that barn was never empty. I mean, maybe that one time where they had the, like the really bad snowstorm in 19, I think it was like, like late 19, the 18, 19 season, they had that really bad snowstorm and there were still 2,500, 3,000 people there. And it was still insane to see that. But 
I mean, yeah, passionate would definitely be the operative word for me on that one. Just just with seeing how everything really has come together in the past 17 years of of the franchise. I mean, really, they should have been they should still hold that record of consecutive years in in the postseason outside. Because, I mean, before the COVID shortened season, they were on pace to be in it, if not make a real run at it, too. So, I mean, just everything from playoff games to just even the 80s nights, which I was never a big fan of, to be honest with you. Too gimmicky. I like the DeLorean. Yeah, that's, the, that's the allure of like the, the minor league hockey program. Mm-hmm. You know, they get they can have fun like with this stuff. And I mean, you see like their camo jerseys, like the American flag jersey. It's like it's a joke on Barstool, and you know, a lot of people like make fun of it, but they can do that. You know, it's like an NHL club, and they can get away with having like Star Wars nights or yeah, 80s nights and mm-hmm. shit like that. And it's I think it's a good time, and it's it, it's part of what keeps the community into it. Because I think especially Loveland, you know, they, they, they like to have fun and it's not, it's not a big town and I don't know, they have an older clientele. So, you know, those seventies and eighty nights might, uh, might draw on some people, which they don't need help doing, but no, <laughs> I, I think it's the last thing they just help draw on people. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I, and, in in your guys is obviously very professional. Mine and Joel's amateur opinion is Joe Sackett the best GM in sports right now. Absolutely. I just read something about it today. I think like uh, NHL and NBC, whatever, like on Twitter, tweeted out their their power rankings, and they had Joe Sackett number one. And I just like I quote tweeted it and said, "We know." Period. Like we all know, we all know here in Colorado, like the dude's unreal. He's he's just fleecing NHL GMs left and right. Guys like Lou Lamorello, who've been in this business for way longer than he has, like making just absolute steals of trades, and it's it's unreal. And it's highway robbery. And the fact that, like, he's just now getting attention for this when, I mean, really, since the Matt Duchesne trade, like, that's kind of where everything started. And it's it's been a joke ever since. It's just, like, we're giving away, you know, it's like, we're going to trade for Sidney Crosby for a fourth-round pick next year. I'm telling you. Like, that's... Just something Joe stupid Sackett. like that. Right. <laughs> exactly. He can pull it off. OB for a 2025 fifth-rounder. Like, he'll, he'll make it happen. But I think so, yeah. I mean, he's just, he's got a smart mind. He knows the way that the game is trending. He kind of got ahead of the curve with this whole, you know, fast, young team mentality. And, you know, the abs are loaded with young, fast guys. And we're seeing how well that, that translates into the NHL level. And I think he, he knows exactly how to build a team. And he's done it pretty well so far at, at a very, very cheap cost. So, yeah, for me personally, unbiased opinion or biased opinion. Yeah, best GM in the NHL for sure. Well, I guess that leaves me. Um <laughs> I think Joe Sackick is the best GM in the NHL. Um, yeah, I do. I, you know, I, I kind of debated in my head, um, maybe Don Sweeney in Boston. Because, God, he's, I know, I know you're grimacing, Jared. Hit <laughs> or miss. They have a hell, a hell of a pipeline over there. You know, they, they recruit well, they scout well. As much as you scowl, <laughs> as much as Boston is Boston, you know, I mean, it is what it is. But no, Joe Sackick, I mean, my God, he is fleecing people. That's the word that comes to mind is he is just fleecing people. And, you know, I, I told Scott this and I kind of put it out there on my personal Twitter account, but I just started reading uh, Adrian Dater's Blood Feud book for the first time. Avalanche's, uh, you know, kind of rivalry book with the Detroit Red Wings. And and my God, Pierre Lacroix was such a good general manager. He was so just opportunistic. Like Claude Lemieux, he 
He won the Con Smythe the year before with the Devils. And all, you know, and then, you know, Pierre Lacroix comes in and is like, yoink. And him and Patrick Wall, I think it was amazing that they won the Calder Cup and the Stanley Cup in the same year. It was amazing because they were black aces to the Canadiens. And then Wall just went off back in 85, I believe. But long answer to a short question. I'm long-winded. You guys asked for this, but. <laughs> we did. Uh, yeah. Yes. But uh, yeah, is Joe Sackick? I mean, yeah, back to the Duchesne trade. My goodness. Uh, you look at. Uh, you know, the Steve Dangle breakdown on uh, TSN and Sportsnet, and you see how much the Avs got in return. And and poor, poor Nashville just got Kyle Turris. <laughs> poor Nashville just got Kyle Turris out of the whole thing. It's like, holy shit. <laughs> and, and then doubled down like a year later and picks up Duchesne in free agency and then wants to ship him off. Right? Yeah. 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 It's, it's, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing just the haul that, you know, that Saka keeps getting, like not just from the Duchesne trade, but, you know, just all like the free agent signings and, you know, Devin Tays coming in from the Islanders and, uh, God, you know, Brandon Saad and um, Dennis Gilbert coming in. I mean, that's a good gritty acquisition for the Eagles. You want to talk about the Eagles right there. I mean, Dennis Gilbert coming in and, uh, you know, just kind of trading off. Zadorov and um, gosh, why am I why am I forgetting uh, Anton Lindholm? So yeah, is is Joe Sakic? Yeah, yeah, I'd say he he is. Yes, short answer to a long question and, and, <laughs> or long long answer. I mean, you, I mean, you brought up a, a great point with Dennis Gilbert. I mean, and that actually played perfectly in the next one. I mean, out of Kyle Burrows, Daniel Renoff, and Dennis Gilbert, I, I mean, which of those guys could realistically become a seventh defenseman on on the Avs really at the start of next season? Because I mean, you only have six guys signed as of right now on on the big boy club, so you gotta you gotta fill in a seventh. I think Connor Simmons is probably to be your seventh. Really? Either way, yeah. I mean, Jesus, like Jared Bednar loves the guy. It's it's insane. Um, we we talked about it all playoffs. Like he's. He, he revealed to us media people during a Zoom call that, like, he literally almost brought him in uh, to play in the NHL, like, the year they drafted him. So, like, 17, I guess. So, like, 2018, that year. Like, he just destroyed our expectations in training camp. Like, the entire staff loved him. The team loved him. Like, he almost, like, won a spot outright his, his rookie year. Um, they decided to send him back down. And then, you know, unfortunately, that resulted in, in him getting destroyed in the OHL finals. And having those concussion issues but again you know he, he he earned a spot after that happened after a year and a half of concussion issues and uh spot. obviously they sent him down he needed a little more a little more help i think he crushed it with the eagles did really well and then they called him up and obviously he played in the nhl playoffs like i mean that that just goes to show how much they they think about him and bednar would always be quick to mention him over Owen Byron. Like people would ask like who of the young guys are impressing you, the black aces in the playoffs. And like, in particular, like Bowen Byron, you think he has a shot of like being some games in. And he's like, uh, I'll tell you what, Connor Timmons has like been, you know, crushing expectations and he's been like really, really good. And that's when he told us like, he's, we've been wanting him on our team since 2018. So I think, yeah, for sure. Um, he'll be, he'll be the seventh defenseman. I think um, he'll get the first call up, I believe. We can get into the whole Byron discussion too, but Byron's not making the team. Sorry, everyone. Um, yeah, I think to, to answer your question, I would say hypothetically, like probably Kyle Burrows, I think. 
just for the leadership, like part of it, I think he plays a great two way game, which fits with, you know, Sackick's scheme and Bednar's scheme. And I think Gilbert's more, Gilbert and Renault are more of like shut down defensemen, probably more AHL depth guys. But I mean, we'll see. You know, they always throw curveballs our way. So we'll see what happens when the season actually starts. Yeah, I'd second what Scott's saying. I mean, you know, Connor Timmons, he's got the rips in, you know, whenever they've needed him, um, you know, whether it be in the, in the bubble or because of injuries, like what happened back in February, where just guys were hurt left and right for the abs, you know, Timmons has answered the call and answered the bell. Um, but yeah, man, another another solid acquisition by, by Sackick and, and Craig Billington, um, just on that level, is the fact that Kyle Burroughs was the captain of the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. And, you know, you trade a, um, a guy that couldn't quite break through on the abs roster in A.J. Greer, and you trade him one for one, and you get such a, uh, such a boost in leadership on the defensive end. And in, with all the uncertainty that's surrounding Kevin Connaughton still, you know, uh, it's just it's a solid acquisition. Um, and, and don't be surprised. You know, like Scott said, don't be surprised if you see Burroughs up with the abs. Um, as a defensive addition, yeah, Dennis Gilbert. He's he's a he was a great, like I said, great gritty guy. You know, great sandpaper sort of guy for the the Rockford IceHogs, and uh, he's going to be probably a lot of the same for the Eagles. Scott and I have talked at length during the playoffs <laughs> and in the offseason about how the Eagles need a little more grit. They need a little more toughness. You know, that's been missing since Cody Bass and Kale Kessie, You know, flew the coop. Uh, retired and flew the coop to, to Urchie, yeah, respectively. But, um, but hey, I mean, you look at Liam O'Brien. I mean, that's a solid pickup. A leadership sandpaper guy can put the puck in the back of the net and score in big, you know, big, big games and big opportunities. I mean, yeah. I mean, how can you not love a guy named Big Tuna to kind of shift the focus to him? <laughs> the Eagles were trying to get tough this year. Yeah. We talked about it in our podcast like a lot. It's like they got big, they got strong, like in and physical. And then yeah, this this late off season signing of Liam O'Brien, six hundred and seventy penalty minutes and like three hundred games or something. Like I mean the dude, yeah, the dude loves to fight. He's not afraid to uh to knock someone on their ass and that's great. And that's obviously like the direction that they're trying to to like build this team. They went from like kind of fast and and skinny to just, you know, tough like up and down the lineup. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what product they put on the ice this year. I mean, Cronin, you know, he's a, he's a big tough guy himself. He's a, he's a Boston native and, you know, he's a, a smash mouth punch you in the face kind of guy. And I think maybe he had something to do with it. I think he's going to, he's going to like this team a lot. Maybe he thought they were a little too soft last year. So it's going to be, it's going to be a fun team for sure. Mm-hmm. Reminiscent of early uh, CHL days, I think. Yeah. And even even like before, uh, you know, going back to that jump in the AHL, they still made, you know, made playoffs that first year. And then they were trending just super, super in the right direction as far as, you know, before everything got shut down. They were reeling off a nice little streak of wins. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, uh, just up and down with the team. I mean – so much talent coming out of there. I mean, you, you think about, uh, you know, guys like Connor Timmons, guys like LOC, um, you know, even Frankie, you know, when he was when the, with them in the ECHL days coming up and just, you know, playing big minutes for the Avs on, on an, I mean, he, he's now a household name, which is awesome to me. Um, 
but yeah, just up and down, you're seeing them just, I mean, to, to go off of what you guys are saying, definitely transforming from that, you know, faster, you know, we could light up the scoreboard if we wanted to, but now, you know, you guys are definitely right. They definitely gotten a lot more gritty. Um, and they have replaced Cody Bass very well, I feel like, because um, he was kind of the guy that would always drop gloves and, and try to change things. Um, uh, memory about Cody Bass, the, the pot of gold night, um, 2019, you know, one of his fights, I think it was in the second period, but that was what changed the game for us. That was what uh, basically enabled us to get up off our ass and, and actually have a good showing, and they ended up winning that game. Um in uh, overtime, I believe. So it has its place. Yeah, and if you're gonna do it, it's like the minor leagues where you do it. You know, we're we're seeing it trend out outward, like from the NHL. Like it's not so much a a gritty league anymore as it is. You know, fast and and speedy, like we kind of talked about, more the playmakers. But I, I think in the AHL, it's, it still has its place. And you know, maybe they want to protect some of their prospects. Maybe that's what it is. Who knows? Or just, I mean, it's, it's about winning at the end of the day. I think that's the whole point is is to build from the bottom up a successful, deep franchise. And you want to win. You know, you want to you want those deep playoff runs. The more games your prospects have under their belts, the better they're going to be. You know, practice makes perfect. So, yeah, it's an interesting pivot they kind of made because um, it doesn't really fit with the, the culture of, of, like, the avalanche. Um, but it's it's interesting. I'm, I'm into it. And, you know, if, if the abs are hurting for more of that physical presence and, you know, who's to say they don't call it Dennis Gilbert? Who's to say they don't call it Liam O'Brien? I mean, O'Brien has, you know, 13 games, you know, with the Capitals over his six seasons with the Bears. You know, he's, he's had a few cup of coffees with, with Washington. But, I mean, who's to say? I mean, especially when you need that extra little grit, you know, either running to the postseason or in the playoffs themselves. I mean, yeah, we could see one of those guys, you know, throw on the abs colors and, you know, skate in a, you know, bottom defensive pairing or, you know, a third or a fourth line role uh, just to, you know, just to rough up the other team. I know that, you know, the abs kind of had that problem with Dallas a little bit. I mean, they, they pushed him to the edge for sure. But I mean, Dallas definitely had their moments. Um, gosh, especially from what I can remember in game seven where they kind of, you know, knocked the abs around a little bit. So it's just like, yeah. Do you want a repeat of that? Absolutely not. So you pick up a few guys at the AHL level and, you know, it's not going to be no harm, no foul if it, if you don't have to call on them and, and rely on them. But, hey, you know, the Eagles are better off for it and, and the Avs maybe too if they need if they need someone to, you know, come on up and, and rough some people up on the up on the opposite side of, uh, of the ice there. It, it, it's crazy because like that that was my exactly my exact first time when I saw Dennis Gilbert I was like Dallas 100% uh, that he's a guy who you bring in to play against Guryanov um oh hell who's that dude from from Montreal they got oh shit Radulov that's what I'm thinking of um like like guys to really play like that sandpaper game against Radulov Ben Guryanov to a certain mm-hmm. extent, Tyler Sagan even, because I mean, those guys really just pushed, pushed around Landis Cog, McKinnon, Randon for the better part of seven games. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm forgetting that, that giant as well. Is it Belisiak? Yes. Jamie Alexiak. Yes. Alexiak. Alexiak. That's right. Yeah. 
I have his name envisioned in my mind and the pronunciation definitely doesn't go along with it. So I'm more of a like photographic memory sort of person. So yeah, Alexiak, he was, <laughs> he was a son of a bitch. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, like, like obviously Colorado's depth is like one of their biggest things now. I mean, oh yeah. E- even going back two years ago when they got ousted in the first round against Nashville, we were all they were just we were all just happy they were there at that point, right? Okay, we had that horrible season that nobody wants to talk about ever again. If if we could erase it from history, we would. Um, and now it's just it seems like this is it's depth. The culture's there. The depth is there. I, I mean, and you have a guy like Martin Kaut who is. It was really a Tyson Jost kind of guy is how I look at him and for, for better, for better or worse on, on that plane. I mean, it, it seems like he, he does awesome when he's in Loveland, but he just can't like, he'll have his, his moments of brilliance, like against, uh, against Anaheim where he found JT comfort for the goal ahead with, for the go ahead goal after making an awesome pickpocket play in the offensive zone. But I mean, outside of that, has he really been anything special outside of some AHL time? Yeah, Cow's an interesting one for me. Um, and I guess I'll, I'll share one of my Eagles memories as well. Um, you know, I, I love talking with Greg Cronin because he always kind of tells me maybe a little bit too much. And he'll tell me, he'll go on for like 10 or 15 minutes and tell me, he's like, oh, hey, by the way, like, don't put that in like whatever story you're writing. It's like, dude, <laughs> for real? Like, damn, this is gold. Like, this is a huge, huge expose. But um, yeah, I mean, we both, me and, me and Greg Cronin, we both talked about it about how we didn't know what to expect. Like when, when he got called up, so days before I had a conversation with, with Martin um, about is his development. It's like into your, your second year, things are like a little bit slow for you. Like, how are you feeling? And like, I wrote a story about it. He said, it's, it's frustrating. Um, he's like, I, I feel like I'm a first round pick and you know, a lot of pressures on me and like, I'm not producing. Like I've, he's good. He was going through a point slump at the time and just wasn't looking as good. Wasn't putting up as much points as he did his, his, first year like in the pros of the Eagles. Um, and then a few days later, he got called up um, just like out of nowhere. Like we were not expecting it. This is when the abs are going through their whole, you know, suffered through a lot of injuries all season, but this was back in like November, December, whatever. Um, and I talked to Cronin like a week after he got called up and I was like, did you see this coming? And he's like, I'll tell you what, like I had a conversation with Joe Sackick and with Billington and all those guys. And they came to me and asked if, like he would be a good call up if he was the best option to call up right now. And he even said straight up, he's like, he's like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know what to expect from this guy. Like he's, he's very inconsistent. Um, he's rough around the edges. Like he's one of those guys who it's boomer bust kind of thing. Like you can, you can call him up and he might just be shit or you can call him up and he'll, you know, score a hat trick in his first game. Like, I really don't know what to tell you, but like, give it a shot. And That's you know, they ended, up, they ended up calling him up and you know, he, he did pretty well. Like, two goals and assists, whatever, three points in, in his first few games. Like, he did he did well. Like, he looked like he fit in at the, at the NHL level. My thing is, like, I don't know if he's going to be consistent. And to me, he's an enigma. Seeing him, you know, enough times in the NHL and, like, AHL now, I just, I don't know. Because he's a very, very inconsistent guy. And it's, it's extreme highs and extreme lows. It's like, you know, a drug addiction almost. Like, he... He's really, like, up on himself and he's really down on himself. He doesn't... If he doesn't score two goals in a game, it's like... This I'm it. This is it. I'm getting cut or whatever. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I think he really needs to like get out of his own head. I think that's part of his issue. And if he can do that, I think he'll be a, a decent bottom six guy in the NHL for a few years. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, big Tyson Jost vibes too when you say that, Scott, because the the games that we remember when when Jost was doing well with the Avs, particularly, were those games where he would go off for multiple goals. Um, you know, I think this year uh, when we played, uh, who was it? I think it was Vancouver. One of the first games against Vancouver this year, he had a multi-goal uh, game, multiple point game too, and um, yeah, definitely. I mean. When he's when he's good, when he's on, he's on, you know. But that's few and far between, so it's it'll be tough to predict that too. Yeah. Uh, so definitely feel you there for sure. Um, when you were saying that, it's big Tyson Jost type of sod there. <laughs> I made that sure, but yeah, I would, I would say that's that's a fair comparable. Obviously, like different body types and yeah, yeah play styles but, and everything. I mean, yeah. outside the fact that if if they both weren't selected in the first round. Maybe it's not a huge comparison, but I mean, they're both relatively high picks. Yeah, it's a pressure thing, too. It, like it's it's those those guys getting their heads like it's the first round you know, weight on your shoulders. Or it's like, I need to be Sidney Crosby. I need to be Nathan McKinnon. Like I'm 18 years old. I just moved away from my family in the Czech Republic. And now I need to be Joe Sackick. Like this is it. And if they don't, they just get super down on themselves. And I think. Part of the problem there is they just they get frustrated and they, they kind of rush themselves a little bit when it's it's all about taking time. And I think if they yeah, if they can learn to get out of their own head, they'll they'll be good. So we'll see. It'll be interesting. I think. Yeah, I think that you know, count getting some time in, you know, in the Czech league and in the you know SHL over there in Sweden. I, I think that's a, a blessing for him, you know, to kind of to go back to the European game. I, I mean, at, at least during COVID, you know, because obviously you want to get a guy more accustomed to the NA or the you know the NHL, the North American game, the smaller ice, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, to at least be able to go back home, maybe kind of recalibrate a little bit, get some ice time at least, and to and to get you know some reps in, you know, and and to, to be able to to do that and to go home. And, and you know, I'm sure he went home in the off season and stuff like that and trained and all that, but, but to play in those leagues again and to, to kind of have the opportunity to, to, like I said, to recalibrate and to maybe, you know, say, okay, well, th- these are the same elements I can bring to the North American game. And maybe these are some elements that I can't, you know, he's, yeah, I think he's a smart enough player that he can, you know, kind of isolate the things that aren't working for him and improve on them. You know, and and hopefully not have the the Jostian, you know, Jekyll and Hyde sort of thing he's got going on sometimes. Oh. I, I like that Jostian. That's Jostian. <laughs> great, uh, <laughs> great descriptor right there, CC. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> Just came up with it right off the top of my head. <laughs> I, I mean, awesome. so obviously we're all kind of in the same boat of Tyson Jost. Yeah, sour grapes <laughs> on him at this point. <laughs> I feel like I, I need I need some help on Twitter. <laughs> well, you're not going to get any from us. I'll, I promise yeah, you that, one. because we're not Tyson Jones <laughs> people either, and we have taken a lot of it on that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, like like when we saw him get resigned, my immediate reaction was, why? Like yeah. I maybe sign and trade. That's fine. Let him walk. I who knows? But it, uh, it's definitely a sign and prove deal. You know, it's because I think it was just for one year, right? They brought him back for one year. Yeah. So, I mean, this year is definitely, it's that make or break year. It's how are you going to fit in with the pieces that we have now? Um, 
and even just going back to the development stuff, going back to uh, to Bowen Byram, you know, his development in the WHL, which is a very different, uh, just different style of hockey as far as just the, um, just how physical they are, you know, all the, it's a, it's a very fight heavy league and, you know, there was a time and place where that would transfer to the NHL level, but maybe not so much anymore. I mean, Byron's still incredible talent, but um, kind of going off what Scott was saying about how he might not actually make the team this year, that could be a good reason why. Um, just absolutely stacked at, 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 you know, for, for our defense, as far as um, just, I mean, top to bottom, if they stay healthy, that's one of the best defenses in the league as far as uh, the Avs go. But yeah, yeah, but I would be an interesting one. Like, I think, you know, that's another one that the Avs have the luxury of being as deep as they are. They don't have to rush anybody like through anything. But I think a lot of people, obviously, you know, number four overall pick, like, let's get him in the league next year. The Avs are so deep. And I, I honestly, I do think like Byron needs like a little more time. I, like he's destroying it, you know, in the WHL. It's, it's he's making it look like a or a pee wee hockey league or whatever. But I don't know from what I've seen, and it's it has not been like a lot. Um, but what I've seen from him practicing against like the Avs players, like when training camp restarted in, in July, and his video I've seen from him in Vancouver, it's like I think his defensive play needs like a little bit of work. Like I think he's he's a Kale McCarr guy without Kale McCarr's like defensive prowess. Yeah. Uh, like I think he's he's better served as like a winger, like in the NHL than he is. You know, he can back check, but I think just in front of the net, it's not he's not where he needs to be. I think the Avs know that, and that's kind of why they're not rushing him. I think he needs a little more time. I was excited to see what he was going to do in the World Juniors, but I mean that got shut down for God knows how long. But we'll see. I think that's going to be that's going to be huge. That's going to be a telling thing how well he he can hold his own in, in the World Junior Championship. Yeah, definitely knows how to walk the line just extremely well. I mean, he can take it up whenever he wants, really. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely needs to work on his actual uh, defending, too, for sure. For making Kyle McCarlick so great. I mean, we, you know, you don't have to just watch five minutes of his, like, gameplay. And you, you'll, you know, everyone can come to that conclusion. Like, he, yeah, he can walk the line. He can play offensively. He's got a great shot. But damn, can he defend, like, really well. He can back check, and he can. He knows exactly where to be at the right times. Knows who who to be on. Like that's that's insane. Like he's gonna be a great defenseman for a long time. And and, and, and he's so elusive with the puck too. I mean, like like the way he he, he makes like veteran veteran forwards look at just stupid at times with some of the most simple puck possession things that you wouldn't think that would that would blow dudes away. Like that tomahawk move he loves doing down the wall. Or just even breaking out on the on the power play. I mean, he had that one in uh, in Jersey that when he fed the backdoor pass to Rantanen, where he tomahawked down the wall and blew by. I think it was Travis Wood. I think is who he blew by and was just. And everyone was like, "Oh my God, where, where does that come from?" It's like, "Well, did you watch any of the Frozen Four going into last year's uh, tournament?" Or no, because that was some that was some shit he was doing pretty much consistently. Yeah. And he's a bigger body too. I mean, and that kind of came to light in the playoffs when, uh, you know, even the guys on uh, NBC were saying, you know, Hey, this kid can actually hit, you know, um, there were some times where he would just body guys. Um, 
which is what you need to see, you know, in a top defenseman. And it's, it's, you know, it's the reason why he won the Calder this year, um, this past year. Yeah. Just all around amazing player. So stoked that we got him. And, and if we keep that core, I mean, the abs will be good for a very, very long time. Yeah. And I'm still surprised that Joe Sackick hasn't been up for GM of the year because it's just insane yeah. what he's built. Um, you can go back to that that trade that kind of started it all. The Matthew Shane trade was like when you know when the apps start winning Stanley Cups when they they build like a dynasty, you know, in this in this decade. I think the the start of the championship video needs to be November twenty eighteen. Like when he made that trade. On Long Island. Yeah. It's like he traded yeah, exactly. Like mid game too. That's that's unreal. But Traded away Duchesne, who just hated being on the team and was kind of just, you know, fading from from glory to to get Sam Gerard, to get Kale McCarr, and then, you know, Bo and Byram, like, out of it. It's like he literally just in, like, one trade just built the Avs defense for the next decade. Like, that to me is is unreal. Like, that's why I think that's, that's my, my thesis statement for why he deserves to win GM of the year. Yeah, I mean... He's he's definitely. I mean, yeah, we we counted his trades earlier, but I mean, yeah, don't forget his draft picks. I mean, don't forget the the, the obviously the free agent signings. We mentioned that earlier as well, but yeah, those draft picks that, that stemmed from that trade and how the, how they've utilized them. I mean, that's such a huge. Yeah, I mean, when you have those three facets, it's it's a head scratcher as to why. Yeah, he he doesn't get GM of the year, and that's not just being a homer. That's that's being a realist. That's being like, you know, okay. Have you seen Cal McCarr play? <laughs> Have you, you know, it's like I remember watching uh, the playoffs back in, you know, 2019 when McCarr was done, you know, over there at UMass and he, he suited up for the abs. And, and me and my girlfriend looked at each other and were like, this kid's going to be good. <laughs> like, if, if he's producing in the playoffs, you know, to have one goal and five assists in 10 games played and to do that and to just, you know, just being such a baby-faced assassin that he is, you know, to come in there and, and to, to do what he did, just to, to come in there. Now, like you guys said, Byron, you know, may, may need a little seasoning. And, and the NHL is like Major League Baseball in the sense that you can send a guy down to the minors to season them. You know, you don't have to do the Aaron Rodgers and sit him behind Brett Favre for three years. You know, you can, you can, you can put him down there. You can put him down there. You know, to build up some skills where they need to build up skills, and, and yeah, that's that's such a benefit that that both the well, I mean, it's a benefit that the Avs have. You know, like you said, with the depth and everything, they don't need to bring in fire now. They don't need to rush things. So why do it? Don't need to. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah. and I mean, so. we, we've we've spent so much time on like forward and defensive prospects. I think the one guy that really is not getting a ton of pull and it is from that Duchesne trade nonetheless is Eustace Antonin mm, mm-hmm. I, I mean just and he just signed during the COVID off season for what was it two years I think is what it was or something like that yeah I don't know what it was. it's not three with his entry level contract it might it might be it might be three with the entry but I mean he's he's playing over in Liga right now and he's just I mean as a as a 20 year old kid I mean he he's killing it over in the the in Liga over there. I mean, it, it feels like for as good as he is, he's not getting as much 
attention as compared to the Bowen Byrams, the um, the guy who guy who we just taken the first round. I can't remember his name now. Justin Barron. Justin Barron. Thank you, Barron. Justin Barron. Like like he's not getting as much <clears throat> poor. Even a guy like Alex Bucage with uh, Ryan Noranda. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's because goalies aren't exciting. You know, <laughs> like that's that's just like the sad reality of it. It's. I mean, he was like a decently high pick for a goalie, but they're just notoriously hard to develop. You never know what you're going to get out of them. Um, yeah, I think I, I think he's going to be just fine. Like, I, I think at the beginning of the of the season, he like set like a league record for like longest shutout. Went like three or four games like in a row, without like letting in a goal. Ended the season with like a one point five like goals against average and like a nine five save percentage, something unreal like that. That's exciting, but he's, you know, like 18 and we'll, we'll see what happens when he comes to North America. And I think, you know, Adam Werner's kind of saw that with the Eagles. Like he got, he got beat outright by Hunter Miska and who knows what's going to happen this year. Um, but I think Werner might've like lost his spot. I, I really don't think with Annan like coming up the, coming up the pipeline, I think that's, I mean, it's 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 going to be tough. It's going to be a make or break year for him. I think they're going to he's going to start the year as the starter because that's what Joe wants. That's what he told us during his like exit interview um, on Zoom that he wants Warner to get a lot more time up there. But I think as soon as he starts slipping up, like they're going to give the the net back to Miska, and who knows what happens. But yeah, goalies are just they're they're tough to develop. You never know what you're going to get. You can be all excited about him, you know, as much as you want to, but until they start taking shots from NHL players. It's tough to tell. Yeah, yeah, and I think again, COVID rears its ugly head. Um, you know, you've got Werner um, back in Sweden, and you've got a Noonan, you know, in Riga, and so those guys are over in Europe for the time being. And I think the Eagles were smart to lock up Peyton Jones from Penn State and to lock him up for two years on an AHL deal because even though it's a one-way deal, you know, I think to have a guy, you know, that's you know, he, he's not quite proven, but, you know, interviewing Penn State head coach Guy Godot, or Guy Godot, <laughs> Guy Godowski, rather. Here I am thinking of Gal Godot, or Gal Godot, rather. No <laughs> Another woman on the brain. Hey, <laughs> come on now. Don't worry about it. Guy Godowski, there we go. So talking with him a little bit, interviewing him earlier on in the offseason, you know, the one word he used to describe Peyton Jones was athletic. The man is an athlete. And he's not just, you know, a big body in the net, you know, just, just blocking shots and everything. He's got good lateral movement. He's got, you know, just that vision and the, the ability to, you know, stop pucks at an athletic level. And I think that's super important, especially at a level like the AHL level when you're coming from, you know, a, a hockey program that's really broken through, um, you know, gosh, 10 years ago, you're like Penn State hockey. What? You know, it just Penn State's a football school, you know, <laughs> but man, they've really carved it out in, in Big Ten hockey over there. They've really carved out and a lot of Penn State guys are coming over to the Grizzlies. It's like there's a nice little pipeline between Penn State and the Colorado Avalanche organization going on now. But but again, long answer or a long statement um, wrapped up here. It's just, yeah, the abs are set. You know, you've got Miska. You, you, you re-signed him. He's a solid He's going to be solid in net for the Eagles. He's going to be the starter. And and you have choices. You have options now as to if you want to go with Werner when he's allowed to come back and when this 
whole coronavirus thing settles down. You've got a guy like a Peyton Jones and you've got a Noonan that's going to be coming up. And, and the good thing about those entry level contracts, especially with uh, with a Noonan's, is you've got that neat little thing called a European assignment clause. So if you don't want to bring them over on an entry level deal, you can just chalk up that year to Europe and say, OK, we'll we'll revisit this when you come back in you know, a year or two. And. Yeah, that European assignment clause is a game changer and it's a game saver for the Avs because they're so deep at goaltender, you know, starting with, you know, Bauer and Franco up at the, you know, Franco's up at the NHL level and just going all the way down. I mean, they're deep. I think they're set. It, like you guys said, it's not a sexy position, but, you know, it's uh, maybe that's why Noonan didn't get as much coverage is because he's over in Finland and, you know, you got... You got Miska and, and Peyton Jones um, as your starter and backup if, uh, you know, COVID protocols stay in place internationally. Yeah, and, you know, going back to kind of just the Eagles uh, offseason, I, I wanted to get your guys' opinions on uh, Tim Begali. Um Because he did spend kind of – you know, the last couple years sort of bouncing between the ECHL and the AHL. Um, do you guys think that he, I mean, just as far as development goes, I think it could be promising, but but what are your guys' kind of overall thoughts on uh, Tim McGauley? Didn't McGauley sign? Where did, where did he sign? He signed somewhere else, right? Or wait, did he sign he's, somewhere else? He's oh, in he's Norway in- currently. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's in Norway. Yeah. Oh yeah, he signed with uh, with uh, Stern, Sturgeon. Sturgeon, yeah, Stern, Stern hockey, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, he's playing well. He's six. playing well over there right now, though. <clears throat> he's got yeah. six and eleven for seventeen and fifteen games. I mean, not half bad. There's a lot of those guys that like signed signed elsewhere. Like Barbario is one I talked about a little bit earlier. Like he's the captain of of his team in, in Switzerland right now. Um, with Former NHL coach, by the way, is head coaching over there. It's like Craig McTavish, who spent a long time with uh, the Edmonton Ottawa. Oilers. Wasn't he Ottawa too? I think he was briefly, but he's he's coaching with whatever this – I forgot what the team name is for in Switzerland. And Barbary is the captain of the team, and he's crushing it. I think he, like, at least, like, this is probably, like, a month ago when I, like, tweeted out this staff. He was, like, leading all defensemen. He was, like, doing really well. McGauley's doing really well. Um, Cout is doing pretty decent things. He was out for a while with with an illness, not COVID. I, I talked to somebody in Swiss or in Sweden about, so we're we're good there. He just returned. I think he has like three goals, four points in like six games. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of those guys that are that are doing good things. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, Magali was obviously. Yeah, I didn't realize he had signed signed with Stern Stern Sterngen. That's weird Norwegian word there. Um, uh, but you think about guys like Mark Alt too. Um, just you know, on that Eagles team, he's a guy that didn't really get you know too too much respect from the Avs as far as uh, them inviting him up for that phase three. Um, training camp, you know, pre, you know, pre bubble playoff stuff. And, um, you know, he's a guy that he, he posted a plus minus of, of 19 this year for the Eagles. Um, so he's also a guy that I think could maybe step up into a role for the Avs if needed, um, perhaps. Yeah, no, 
Cole is great. Yeah. He's another guy I failed to I failed to mention that he was probably like my favorite interview when he was with the Eagles. Uh, he's like just a super, super nice guy. And yeah, great a great leader for the team, or he was at least. But yeah, I think he's he's on to to greener pastures as well, isn't he? Yep. Really? He signed with the the Kings organization back on October tenth. Oh wow. Wow. I'm yeah. kinda out of the loop here. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. Hey, that's that's part of my job for the Sinbin is to keep up on transactions. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, Alt. Unfortunately, I mean, you know, like Scott was saying, he just, um, you know, he obviously was a leader, and he maybe saw the writing on the wall um, in regards to just not getting the opportunity, and, and maybe maybe him and the Abs came to that realization before the bubble, like during the off season. Alt's like, you know, I'm gonna probably you know, see options elsewhere and, and see what I can do um, in regards to, you know, it, it's kind of like AJ Greer without the trade, without the, the sign and trade deal or the trade and sign rather. That's, that's ultimately what happened with AJ Greer. But, but yeah, with Alt moving on you know, to the Kings organization, um, you obviously lose a, a big defensive leader in that regard. But again, Kyle Burroughs, captain for Bridgeport. Coming on over, he's going to bring that leadership ability over to the Eagles as well. I did want to chime in about McGauley as well. Um, if he doesn't come back from Norway, you know, he was in the MVP running um, when he was playing down with the Grizzlies. You know, like you said, solid AHL, ECHL level guy. And unfortunately, in the games that I saw when he was called up with the Eagles last season, um, the guys that stuck out to me more were, you know, the, the Ryan Wagners and the Griffin Molinos, and not so much McCauley. I mean, McCauley was there, but, I mean, you know, Wagner scoring game-winning goals against the Milwaukee Admirals, the number one team in the AHL, and, you know, well-deserved AHL contract. Um, again, Ryan Wagner got that. Uh, Molino, who knows? But, I mean, yeah, McCauley, maybe, who knows? A lot of ECHL, AHL, and, you know, that uh, straddle, you know, kind of straddling between the two leagues. A lot of guys go over to Europe and they don't come back. So, so who knows? I mean, that might be the case for him as well. Yeah. And I mean, Jason Magna too. I mean, he just, he killed it with, with the Eagles. Um, I mean, you know, he's played 121 just regular season NHL games has about 350, 355 in the AHL. Um, and on the team, this past year, I want to say he was second in goals scored behind uh, Sheldon Dries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I, I feel you there. Um, you know, they just they continue to reload um, as far as just what we're what we're getting at here. Continue to reload just regardless of what's what's thrown at them, um, which I think's the it's the trademark of a just successful organization. Um, you know, they, they know who they're going after basically. Yeah. Up and down, you know, organization, whether it's ECHL or AHL or NHL, it's like you want to have a strong, strong team. It's like having a, a strong reserve in the army, you know, like your, your top guys get depleted and you want to be able to have someone you're comfortable with like calling up and that, that applies to AHL and ECHL too. And yeah. I mean, that's just another, just, Oversight by a lot of teams, I think. There's they invest a lot of their money in, into the NHL product, but that's what I, I really appreciate about, you know, Joe Sackick and and the Avalanche organization and the Eagles. It's like they really care about just building a strong team, you know, up and down the whole thing. So it's 
it's great. I think that's why they're going to be set for, for a long time and they're ahead of the curve. I think they're close, you know, who knows what's going to happen this year, but I think they have a, they have a fair shot. I think they would have had a fair shot last year too, had they been healthy the entire way. And we'll see. I think, you know, they'll, we could have a dynasty on our hands. Is, is Sergey Boykov one of those guys who went to Europe and is just, is not going to come back? I mean, I, he, so. I mean, he spent, uh, I mean, basically the better part of three, three, four years in North America between San Antonio, the Eagles and, um, and Utah. And last two years he's been in, in the KHL in Russia. I mean, is he just one of those guys who's just, he's not going to come back? I don't, I, yeah, I don't think so. I think he had a shot. Um, I mean, maybe he does great things over there in Russia and just, you know, surprises everybody. Maybe they give him a shot back over here. But that was a, one of the freezing things I had at the beginning of the year. I, I, I went to Eagles training camp beginning of the season and had mentioned, like, I tweeted it a bunch of times about how, like, Sergey Boykov was like, he's going he's gonna to go off this year. Like, he looks sick. His shot's unreal. He's got the hardest shot on the team. He's fast, plays, you know, the way the Avs and the Eagles, like, like to play. I thought this was this is going to be a fair. He's going to have a breakout year, and he got like scored like three goals, and you know, you know, at the end of the season, signed back to Russia. But I think I think he's a great player. I just don't know if like the North American system is is his vibe. I think it's it it, it hurts a lot of people. I think that's part of you know, what took Martin Kaut some time to to settle in is it really, I mean, the North American European ice is, it's different. It's a huge, a huge difference. And I think for you either, you either get it right off the bat or you don't like, it takes you some time. And unfortunately in the, in the minor leagues and in the NHL, how it is like you have like one season to prove yourself. And if you don't, then see ya. Like there's someone else who, who did prove themselves and maybe you get two years. Maybe they sign you to that one year, prove it deal. <clears throat> Tyson Jost. And you either prove it or you don't. And you know it's it's just tough. It's the way it's the way it is. And there's a lot of these like 23, 24 year old guys who now don't have jobs. <laughs> it's, it's unfortunate, but that's the nature of the beast. That's that's professional sports. Yeah, and and going back to what CC was saying uh, about uh, Griffin Molino too. He he's a guy that I would have loved to see just get more time at the AHL level because he was killing at ECHL, you know, for the Grizzlies. And when, when they brought him up, um, I, I think it was late, like late February. Um, I think it was just a professional tryout agreement that he signed. Um, but he only played in nine games before the season was uh, suspended. But um, he's a guy that I think is going to be just has great promise going forward as well. Yeah, yeah, and I got to talk to him a little bit about the time that he spent with, you know, the the Marlies and the Growlers back in eighteen nineteen, uh, a little bit before you know the season was ended when he was called up with the Eagles, and you know he he just has a aside from being involved with Vancouver and Utica that first uh, <laughs> sixteen seventeen and seventeen eighteen, um, he he has a way of just. Uh, you know, just very, he, he's a magnet towards great organizations, at least the past, you know, couple organizations that he's been involved with, man, the Marlies and, uh, and the Growlers. I mean, they both, uh, the Marlies had, you know, deep runs for the past, you know, couple few years. And, and the Growlers, of course, won the Kelly Cup 
back in uh, 2019. So, you know, Molino has proven himself. You look at his stat line, he was over a point-per-game player with the Grizzlies, and now you bring him up, he contributed with the Eagles, and he really had a chance and an opportunity to showcase himself. Like I said, him and Ryan Wagner, I mean, <laughs> yeah, the depth goes all the way down, guys. You, you're When you're able to call guys like that and they can contribute at that level, it's uh, it's a blessing that the Avs and the Eagles and the Grizzlies are all reaping the benefits of. And uh, Molino, yeah, um, definitely hope that he would be involved in the Eagles-Grizzlies um, between one of those two teams. Uh, next next season, Lord willing, it does happen. But yeah, Molino is a solid. He's a solid contributor, and and he can he can chip in at the AHL level, given the chance and, and given the opportunity when he is called upon for sure. Yeah, I mean, he had what like thirty plus assists this year, twenty plus goals. I mean, mm-hmm. just amazing. You know, good talent uh, is awesome talent that they that like like we've been saying. Just all three franchises have been just stellar as far mm-hmm. as that goes. Guys, that wraps up part one of the two-parter with uh, Scott McDonald and CeCe Hockley. Uh, I, 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 we are literally still at a loss for words. I mean, we spent two and a half hours with them, and it just it flew by. Uh, it was nonstop action all the time we just kept talking and talking and talking and just it, it felt like it was just never going to end and we were hoping it wouldn't <laughs> but uh, I, mean, I mean yeah i felt like i was in a little bit of a time lapse my friend i was talking just getting so engaged in the conversation with those guys and uh such a blessing to have them on our show uh like we were saying and uh yeah it, it i i looked up at the clock we, we started this about 6 30 and all of a sudden, like, oh, it's it's going on nine o'clock. And it's just one of those things where you, you got to take a step back, look at that just for what it is. And just blessed to be a part of just such a strong community, you know, in Colorado that uh, that deals with with, you know, all the hockey, hockey talk and uh, everything like that. So. Jared was saying, I lost track of time. Um, I, I looked up a snap. I was like, whoa, it's uh, it's 8.45 going on nine here. So, <laughs> but yeah, thank you guys so much for uh, just, you know, everything as far as uh, to our listeners, our fans out there. Um, we hope you guys enjoyed uh, part two of the Eagles mini series. And getting into some other stuff too, as well with those guys, always a blast. Yeah, and I mean, be really excited for part three that's coming out. Um, we we dive a little bit more into the uh, into the big boy club and kind of what's what everyone's kind of feeling feeling like is going to happen. I mean, I I know you guys heard about it in part one about how uh, um, how Scott doesn't think that Byron's going to even play in the big boy club, which kind of took both of us by surprise. Yeah, I, I mean, was, we we were both kind of like, really, like, no, I was no shocked. Byram? I so, was shocked. And I mean, if you haven't read Scott's stuff on Colorado Hockey now, I mean, it's worth the subscription price. I mean, I mean, I mean, we're very lucky to have a subscription to it right now, and we we use it quite a bit. That's for sure. And yeah, yeah. And uh, and and CC does some amazing stuff with Sinbin. I mean, he's got his two podcasts. He he does with Sinbin Hockey and. They, they're both just phenomenal podcasts. 
in in general. I mean, you want to you want to talk about a really smart hockey mind. That's CC Hockley and it's and and Scott McDonald, a hundred percent. Oh yeah, one hundred and. 110 percent man 150 percent um just enjoyed shooting it with those guys tonight and uh we think you guys are in for a real treat here coming up uh the beginning of this week and at the end of this week when we drop uh part three to this like jared was saying we're going to get into a lot of talk about just the the big boy club as we were talking about um some av stuff and uh but yeah, so look forward to uh, part three dropping at the end of the week as well. Yeah, guys. Hey, we really, once again, we appreciate you guys listening to uh, part two of the Eagles of Many series and part one of the conversation with Scott and uh, CC. Uh, if you haven't yet, give us a follow on Twitter at Mile High Pundit. We are doing a hundredth follower giveaway. Uh, that's yep. still in, that's still planned. So uh, make sure you guys get on that train uh, as quick as you can. Uh, but yeah, call your folks, tell them you love them. Same stuff you hear me say at the end of every episode. Uh, make sure you give them a hug, especially in these times, and looks like lockdowns going to be ramping up again. So uh, just make sure you're getting everything you need to done and just stay as focused as you possibly can be right now. It's it's going to be hard to, especially going back into the holidays again, possibly having lockdowns and all that stuff. So it's going to be uh, it's gonna be really important. Make sure you got your family there, your, your, uh, your loved ones, your good security blanket. Everyone needs one. So... Uh, Guys, just uh, make sure you're taking care of yourselves, taking care of others around you. Uh, You've been listening to the Mile High Pundit Podcast, and we'll see you later on this week for part three with CeCe and Scott McDonald. I'm in the studio cooking up music because I know I never got time to waste. This is a decision I got to make. Made it here, I can't stop now. Had to make what I got now. This is the life I chose. Seen the highs and lows. I've been getting what I want now. Deep underground, the Jelly Belly Factory, BB is in her secret laboratory creating the weird and wild flavors of Bean Boozled. I've done it again. Is it cappuccino or liver and onions? <laughs> Dare to compare. Bean Boozled, 6th edition. Are you brave enough?